The June 2015 issue of Grassroots Motorsports Magazine just hit the stands, and in it is our first big tire test of the year. This week on the podcast, David Whitener, Andy Hollis, the men behind that test, tell us some of their secrets, go a little bit more in depth into those tires on the Grassroots Motorsports Podcast, episode 47. Hey everybody, welcome to the Grassroots Motorsports Podcast, J.G. Pasterjack here. Uh, this is episode 47 of the big podcast. Very cool episode uh, for all you autocrossers, all you lemons racers, all you track enthusiasts out there, because we are looking at the hot street tire crop of 2015. Um couple notable exceptions that are still either waiting on the docks somewhere because of shipping issues or have not yet been fully developed and gotten into the distribution stream. But many of your questions regarding what the hot street class tires are going to be for 2015 uh, are going to be answered by this tire test. So what we did was uh, we went to Andy Hollis and David Whitener, who were the two guys, uh, the two sort of driving forces behind all of our tire testing. They have uh, access to some amazing resources out there in Texas and um, a fantastic course. And they tell us a little bit about exactly how they go about testing these tires and go a little bit more in depth into um, you know the various tires that are being tested. So if you are... Uh, interested at all in uh, being competitive in street class autocross street touring class autocross this is definitely uh, a fine podcast for you to listen to let me tell you about a little bit of a deal you can get on grassroots motorsports magazine and classic motorsports magazine grassrootsmotorsports.com slash discount classicmotorsports.com slash discount 20% off your new or renewal subscription just by going to one of those two URLs or both of those URLs. Um, and if you're a current subscriber and want to renew, if you haven't subscribed yet and want to subscribe, you get a good deal. Um, okay, that's pretty much all the setup we need this week. Uh, I know you guys are dying to get to the stuff. Let me give you a little bit of background on where everybody is here um so both these guys are on the phone uh andy drops out a couple of times and david does a fine job at picking up the slack there because andy uh and his wife ann were on the way to the 2015 one lap of america and uh you may have read that andy was going to run a k-series powered miata in the one lap uh, it didn't quite work out that way for 2015 the car is going to be ready for 2016 actually the car was ready but uh the uh the the spirit was willing uh the flesh was was weak i think they say Anne had uh some some issues with with her neck um and was not really fit to drive in a in a miata for for a week and a half um so they ended up running their their porsche um cayenne which was a much more comfortable and, and conducive ride to somebody who's just had major surgery uh, on their on their spine. So uh, that's that story. So yeah, so Andy was on on the way to that. So he drops out a couple times because he was traveling up through central Indiana or some God knows where place without great cell service. But uh, that's why we lose him a couple times. But uh, David Whitener is on there and nice and solid. So we will pick this up uh, with me sort of explaining a little bit about the tire test that just came out and talking to the boys so enjoy this episode of the podcast everybody and start the uh the official 
broadcast portion and and we'll uh, we'll set it up by me answering that question so we're on with uh, david whitener and andy hollis who have recently completed a, a tire test um for grassroots motorsports and by the time you listen to this it's going to be probably you know the weekend of the the second and third of may or maybe even the fourth and some of you will have gotten the magazine already the magazine actually went in the mail on tuesday from our printer in Kentucky. So if you're close to Kentucky or if you're right early in the mail stream, you've probably, you know, or possibly even gotten the magazine already. And if you're on a message board somewhere where somebody has gotten the magazine, you've probably seen the results of, of our tire test by the time you're reading this. But uh, we have the two guys that actually conducted the tire test on the line with us, um, Andy Hollis, who's actually currently in his car driving to uh, compete in the One Lap of America, and David Whitener, who hopefully is safe and sound in his house or garage or someplace in uh, in, in Texas. But uh, so so let's let's start off here. You know, we'll we'll go over the results in a, in a little bit, but let's start off by by talking about sort of the methodology of a test like this and and you know this was a a street tire you know a 200 treadwear quote unquote street tire test so anybody who's in an scca street class uh for autocross or street touring or certainly you know lemons racers or or anybody who has to compete on on a 200 treadwear tire which is sort of becoming the standard um it's a pretty relevant test to them so so go over with us sort of the 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 science behind how do we how do we test these tires uh, in, in our, our our autocross setting? Uh, let me grab that one, uh, JG. So since we've been doing these for the longest, um, we what we try to do is, um, is is get into test mode and not competition mode, which is, is which is very different. Um, and so you're trying to be as repeatable as possible, and you're also trying to. Um, figure out, you know, what the characteristics are of each tire very, very quickly and get to the performance limits of those tires, uh, which, again, that's very different than what you do sort of in competition mode. Um, so everything we do is geared towards making the driving part easy to take out the variable of the, of the driver learning things and also to take out things like um, the car being a challenge to drive, um, or, or anything, you know, or the, or the weather being inconsistent and all like that. So ultimately the goal with a successful test is to control your variables so that they really, the only variable, um, is the tire itself. Um, and, uh, we typically do these in uh, a couple of steps. The first step is to, um, establish some baseline tire pressures, because as we know, that's one of the single biggest impacts on the performance of the tire in an autocross setting at the tire pressure. So we use a skid pad uh, to develop the, uh, the tire pressure, um, and we run the tire around the skid pad, which is obviously dirt simple to drive around the skid pad. There's really not much driving skill involved in that. And, uh, and we vary the tire And you have a little bit different, yeah, actually, I was, was going to address that real quick. You have, you've got a little bit different approach to setting a tire pressure than the, what we're used to with, with taking tire temperatures. You you actually use a, a more experimental uh, time-based technique to do, do tire pressures. Uh, exactly. And, and the reason for that is, um, you know, early days I used to use tire barometer all the time. And what I found was, yes, there is some correlation between what the pyrometer says and what the clock says, but 
the point at which uh, there's decreasing returns in there um, for uh, for performance versus the you know trying to get super even tire temperatures across the tread face um, actually happens fairly early on, um, and there are always downsides um, to uh, to running pressures at different. Uh, ranges as well. And if your car doesn't necessarily have the best camber situation, all like that, again, how you deal with that with pressure for, you know, using a pyrometer um, is very different. It's just a lot cleaner to look and see what does the clock say um, and just use the, you know, the pressures that get that. Um, and what we do find is that there is no one single, you know, magic number generally on most of the tires. They'll sort of generate kind of a bell curve with a zone in the middle where, you know, plus or minus uh, two to four pounds makes almost no difference. And that gets us really close to in the ballpark. Um, Fine-tuning later on can be done, obviously, but for the test itself, that gets us really close to the ballpark um, doing that part. But once we've done the skid pad, then we go over to our autocross course itself. And this is a course... Uh, that we tend to use uh, up at uh, Mineral Wells, the, the site of this particular test, um, which has been painted down years ago. Uh, it's actually something we put down there for an evolution performance driving school many, many years ago, and we just keep using it and using it. It's got like thousands of laps on it. Um, David even keeps track of track records <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> but because we have so much time on it, we know exactly what it is. It's very simple to drive, um, and it takes the driver out of the equation. So that's the basics. It's skid pad first to get pressures, then it takes some autocross runs. And we can talk about the specifics of how we then organize it later if you'd like. Yeah, okay. So Yeah, to give a little to give a little more on the on the tire pressure thing, I mean, you know, that's really something that, you know, if you're a club racer or a autocrosser and you're looking for a way to make your go fast make your car go faster, this is a really easy way to do it. Um you know, I would definitely agree that I, I don't see a, as much value in using a pyrometer to set tire temps. I think that was, it, I think it's sort of a relic of the old bias fly tires. I mean, on those tires, that was definitely the right way to do it. And on a, on new radials, it's not, it just doesn't seem to work as well. So, you know, setting up a skid pad, running the car around it, you know, being very consistent and moving the pressure up and down and seeing what happens is a really easy way to for a lot of people just to find some easy time in their car. And, and so. especially with a lot of the cars that we drive, you know, they're, they're camber limited or they're certainly they're adjustment limited when it comes to, to a lot of uh, the, the suspension factors. So, you know, there, there's really not that much else you can do to affect tire temperatures, but you can make, make jumps in tire pressure. So, so, okay. So we've, we've sort of nailed down our method for testing. Um, it is, is you know as scientific as we can get it and con- controlling the conditions as much as we can get it um so then how do you go about choosing the the uh, tires and obviously the, the the easy answer is well it's 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 whoever is developing new tires this year but but you know talk a little bit about you guys are involved with these manufacturers um what communication do you sort of get from them in the off season about new products that are coming out and and um you know how how do they utilize you in their development process just as as racers and as as journalists and as guys who are going to be testing these tires like we, did you show up to this test blind to the new products or did you have you know some prior knowledge of what was going to going to be there for the test um this particular test um 
you know, well, for all of them, we're the ones acquiring the tires, and through the marketing department of the magazine, there are contacts there and stuff. Um, that's one side of it. You know, all all of these tires for this test typically come through the marketing department um, of the manufacturers um, who have relationships uh, with the magazine itself. Separately, Dave and I both being competitors, uh, we also have relationships with both marketing and technical people at the various tire companies. Um, and so we're, we're always kind of aware of what's going on and what's coming down the road. Um, and so, um, and sometimes even firsthand knowledge, because both of us have been involved in the past with working with some of these manufacturers, either on an anecdotal basis or um, on a uh, professional basis, you know, consulting and stuff. And so um, you sort of balance all of those things together. Those give you the idea to then talk to the, you know, the magazine department and say, hey, can you get us these tires or those tires? We also have to choose sizes. So a lot of times we're, we're trying to find a size that exists across all of the tires, just to take sizing out of the equation. Um, and um, also availability. Um, and I will use, if I could for a moment, just throw a really quick commercial out there um, for two of our tire companies who both went above and beyond to get us test tires at the very last minute due to some, some production issues and stuff. They, these were tires that were just not available, and they showed up on my door um, literally the day before we were getting ready to do this test, um, and thank goodness they did. And that's, um, that's both uh, Bridgestone with the RE71R, um, and um, and also VF uh, Goodrich with the uh, G-Force Rival S. Um, the, the test tires for those literally showed up um, uh, the day or two right before the, the, the test, and those guys just you know went through all kinds of crazy shenanigans to make it uh, make those things happen. So we do appreciate their efforts. Um, Dave, you got something else to add to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing is is you know how do we find out some of this information? And, and the way it's gone lately to me, I, I feel like. A lot of times I'm finding stuff out on the forums or Facebook before I'm finding it out through, you know, my own sort of back channels. So, you know, it's definitely interesting to see that this time around, both as far as competitors on their own figuring out what are the top tires and, you know, just the community in general tracking down wacko Japanese tire tests, you know, in some foreign language and translating them or you know, I think there's a Hankook Kumo test that someone found in Korea. And, you know, there's all sorts of information that really is it's out there for everybody right off the bat. So definitely different, you know, from uh, five or ten years ago. So a lot less secrets. Okay, cool. So so let us know who was who was actually involved in uh, in the test this year. Uh, we had uh, Dunlop, Bridgestone, the rival, the old rival, and we had the new rival. And trying to think what else. Who else do we have, Andy? Did you say Bridgestone? Yeah, Bridgestone. Uh, Yokohama. Yokohama, yeah. Yeah, A-O-O-8-R. Yeah, and, and so um, uh, the reason why we have the two different rivals um, uh, is because we typically like to, with these tests, be comparing all the new stuff to whatever won the last go-round. And so the last time we did one of these tests, it was two years ago, um, and the uh, original rival that had just come out um, pretty much swept the field in, in the test at that time. And so we wanted to use that, you know, as a control tire in our methodology um, to see where things have come since that time. And additionally, because 
Sophia Goodrich is going to continue to sell the original rival uh, design, um, primarily uh, aimed at the uh, track day guys and uh, uh, and the uh, and um, exactly um, where they don't think the rival S will be as uh, good as a tire form. So um, it, it served a great role um, in the test uh, to use it. And that goes back to that that methodology thing too. Is part of our testing involves using a control tire both at the beginning of the test and at the end. And in this test, we actually inserted it in the middle, too. Um, so that tire got three sets of runs so that we could very verify that nothing was changing in either the driver's techniques um, or in the course uh, or weather situations. And it served very nicely to do that. Okay, so let's let's cut to the, to the, the chase that everybody wants to know here. It, what, is it fair to say that there was a clear-cut winner this year? There certainly was a clear-cut class of winners. So as I've been saying to people who have asked uh, privately, the class of 2015, which includes the Rival S and the RE71R, is clearly, clearly head and shoulders above the class or everything that came before it, the class of 2014, um, which was the uh, the Z2 Star Spec, RS. 3v2 those were tweaks on previous designs and you know they made a little bit of progress but not a lot but the re71r and the rival s are um just leaps forward um from the terms of uh, of delivering performance um and lap times uh compared to the uh, the earlier ones well we can get into some details on which is better at what um but uh and and and, and when we go through the data you'll see there's a lot of nuance in there um, you know, and because each of those two tires goes about its business in completely different ways. Um, but yeah, the, the, both of those guys were, uh, were, you know, need to be considered by anybody who's, uh, um, running competitively in these, uh, in these situations. Yeah. At this point, I would say, I mean, you can take your old tires and, uh, burn them for firewood because, uh, you know, if you want to be, <laughs> if you want to win, you need the new stuff. So the uh, the downside of it is that you know although we have a you know a pretty big quantum leap in performance you know the wear has gone up really drastically which is you know definitely a pretty scary aspect of it so yeah I, I would I would approximate um, wear as being somewhere twenty five to thirty percent worse um, than everything that came before it other than the Toyo R one R was a tire that did not wear particularly well either. Um, but, uh, and especially because people tended to start with them shaved, you know, from the get go. So, you know, you got get less rubber there to, uh, to use. Um, but, uh, compared to, uh, Z2 Star Spec, uh, Hankook RS3 version two, all you know, that sort of tire, um, you know, 25 to 30%, uh, worse, uh, longevity, um, than those. So give us some perspective here. You guys have both been involved in this sport forever. You know, where would you rank this current crop of, of street tires along the sort of evolutionary chain of what we're used to as our compound tires? I mean, is, is a, is a modern day, uh, BFG rival S as fast as the first generation BFG R1? I mean, are we, are we at, at a point similar to that now? Yeah, I mean, that's something I've been giving a lot of thought to. You know, uh, I run quite a bit with NASA, so there's the point question there of, you know, do I want to take a two-point street tire or a six-point, you know, R888 or RA1? 
And I would say at this point, are those tires as fast as an R888 or R A1? I don't think so, but I would say I would almost take a 225 Rival S or RE71 over a 205 R888 Toyo. Yeah, David brings that up a good sense. question about sizing, which we'll get into, which I'd like to get into in a little bit. But I want to I want to give some historical perspective that JG's talking about, and also talk about what David is, which is uh, there's this class of tires that Tire Rack likes to call them streetable track day tires, and that's the NT01, R888, RA1, Ashrad. Uh, you can drive them through the rain, uh, um, you know, some, uh, but they're designed for track day use specifically. They carry low tread and bear numbers just to indicate that they clearly are, um, you know, R-Comp tires. They're not Hoosiers or anything super, super sticky, um, but so they'll deliver longer life than those. Uh, but those... Um, uh, those kind of tires, the, the this latest crop of of, um, of street tires, extreme performance street tires, the RD seventy one R and the R Rival S, are approaching the grip levels of those uh, of those streetable track day tires. It's almost like those two categories are going to eventually merge together. Now, some of that is because the streetable track day. Um, category has not made an advance in, gosh, you know, three or four years. So it's yeah. kind of due for some refresh there anyway. So some of that may just be the, you know, the bunny hop of one moving forward versus the other moving forward. So we may see some, some increases there, you know, soon enough. But it may also be the case that this just supplants them, um, you know, as these uh, more normal street tires uh, kind of come on. Um, and to be honest, we haven't yet done, you know, full session track style testing on these tires to see whether they will, in fact, um, survive, you know, 30-minute sessions without going away and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, there are certainly some question marks there. As far as the historical question of where are we relative to, you know, archives of old, you know, true archives, the best ones, you know, having run on all those and kind of grown up in the sport through those, I would say... The tires we have right now as these extreme performance street tires are every bit as good as the original Kumo Victor Racer. That, that's where I would put them. Hmm. You know, and in fact, if, if you look at, if you look at a, a Rival S, it sure looks like that. But that was, what, a decade ago. And, and you know, it, it's not like, oh, gosh, you can point the finger at the Rival says, well, that makes it an R-Comp. It's like, no, that makes it an R-Comp from 10 years ago. You know, today's R-Comp is way different than that. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can't really compare it. But a lot of people will like to do that. And, and but also, the, you know, that, like, that Victor Racer was a a third-generation R-Comp. If you look at, you know, the A001R and then the a, um, A008 and then the R1s and the, and, and the Goodyears and then that second wave of RSs and then th- that Kumo kind of came along in the in the third wave. So that's a, you know, that's comparing it to a, to a rather advanced tire, I, I would think. I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I would say, again, having run on them, I would say that, you know, last year's class, class of 2014, you know, two star spec and stuff like that were a lot like um, you know, the the, uh, the A001R, the A008R, uh, the pre-GUI um BFG R1s prior to the Salina compound and the 226s and stuff like that where it got, you know, that's when we started seeing all that rubber being laid down at national championship events and things like that. 
Um, so just kind of prior to that, I think, is, is where that is. But the original Victor Racer, you know, completely different than the, uh, the, the V710 uh, that came out later that was basically a very similar design to the Hoosier, um, at least as far as tread. No, I don't know. That's, you know, that's just kind of my take on it. And, and people, you know, again, we're, we're trying to guess because nobody has any of those hermetically sealed. Um, we're going by sort of memories and, and such like that. And so it's, it's really hard to totally compare. And it really doesn't matter. It's just kind of a neat little historical item. To yeah, talk it's, about. A, it's a fun bench racing thing. All right, let's, let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the anecdotal testing that's, that's gone on out there. Um, there. There's, at the beginning of the season, everybody is buying tires and picking their horse and, and trying to decide. And there's there's folks out there that are doing a lot of their own sort of informal testing. Uh, Danny Kao, you know, bought you know a set of every single tire and went out there and did a lot of testing and, and provided a lot of fantastic information. And and you know it, it was it was maybe not as scientific as as you guys went and, and did through, but at the same time, I would think that there's some that that's a good resource for you guys to look at. And and see what's happening in a in a more real wor- real real world situation. Can you can you look at that and sort of draw parallels to what the actual results were, and 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 see sort of sort of parallels with some of the the you know the less scientific testing going on out there. I you know I would I would say so so one of the things that uh, the earliest excitement if you will uh, was coming around the Bridgestone. Um, now some of that was because of availability. It came out first. Um, and, uh, but some of it also, I believe is attributable to the tire itself. Um, that tire is very easy to drive and very communicative. So it tells you what it's doing. Um, so it's the kind of thing that, um, if you just bolt it on your car, a, you're probably going to go faster right out of the get, you know, right out of the gate. Um, and, um, and you're gonna, it's it's gonna feel good to you. It's it's a very lively tire. It runs at small slip angles. Um, you know, you kind of know what's going on, and of course, it delivers massive grip. The other place that that tire, uh, one of its key features, is longitudinal grip, which if you're driving a car that has, you know, more power than it can normally put down on the street tire, that, you know, that tire will help that. And that's another kind of thing that's very easy to perceive. For your average person, the Rival S, on the other hand, is a tire that, compared to the Bridgestone, will feel somewhat vague. Um, and if you put it on your car and you're used to driving on something like the Dunlop, um, you're gonna you're gonna feel like, well, hey, what happened to my responsiveness? And what you know, and and, and especially if your car is set up for the Dunlop, it's that the Rival S is gonna feel very vague to you. Um, so I think a lot of the results we're hearing from people where they're uh, poo-pooing one or the other tire has to do with how their car is currently set up and um, what they are used to and or what they like in a tire. Um, David, you got something else to add to that? No, I couldn't have said it any better. (laughs) Okay. They're they're producing accurate opinions, but maybe don't have all the science that, that tells them what that opinion is actually pointing them towards. Right, and, and, and some of the stuff that we didn't test, I mean, so, well, okay, let, let me rewind quick. So what we did in this test for a vehicle was we used uh, with uh, Ken Michael Wooten's uh, STR-prepped um, 99 Mazda Miata that David's actually been doing some work on for those guys, some setup work, 
Um, and that car was tuned for the Toyo R1R, so which is a fairly big tire um, with massive grip. Um, and um, so the, the suspension itself is pretty tightly wound, um, in my opinion. And so if you put a razor edge tire on it, it's going to feel super, super responsive. On the other hand, it will. it's much easier on that car to feel comfortable on a tire like the Rival S or Toyo R1R. You know, that sort of thing. Um, so I think it's a good example of how uh, a car that was set up for one tire, um, so the R, if your car was set up for an R1R, you're probably going to really like the Rival S. If your car was set yeah. up for a Z2 Star Spec, you're yeah. probably really going to like the Bridgestone. If you're on the Hankook, you know, you might be somewhere in between, probably more like uh, the Rival S. Uh, but, but for sure, what you, you know, where you were before will determine, and these are immediate results. And so you talked about Danny's stuff. Well, he was dealing with an existing car with an existing setup. He was not doing any additional setup, you know, since that time. Yeah, I mean, the, the car we used this time was definitely on the razor's edge. I mean, I, I think when Andy says it was wound up, that's code for he doesn't like the setup. You know, and it was, it was definitely <laughs> interesting using something like this this time because we learned – some of the results we had in the past, particularly the last round where the rival won everything solidly and a lot of people in real life didn't have the same result. And doing it on this car this time, I think we sort of started to understand why some people didn't. You know, if some of these tires, if you throw them on your car and you do nothing to optimize your car or change your driving to match what the tire wants, you're going to have a bad day. So... Yeah, so, so uh, talk you know, it's to, definitely different this time around. So. Talk to us about specific uses a little bit. Like the, One of the questions we always get after we do a tire test is, well, why didn't you do it on X type of car? And which is usually the type of car that, of whoever is asking the question. But it seems like every year we get a conventional wisdom developed that there's a front-wheel drive tire, there's a street touring tire, there's a, a big car tire, there's a small car tire. What are some of the different characteristics that we're looking for in a tire that's going to make it make it suitable to to one type of car or one type of of handling trait over another? So a couple of things come to mind. One is size. So both of these front runners are available at least right now in in limited sizing. So and and one of the things we have found out already, um, and I'll give a little bit of advanced stuff. Um, here, um, this particular test that's in the current issue is a write-up on autocross testing. Um, the following week, I then took this whole set of tires and took them down to uh, to the track and did some track testing. So we've got. Can you hear me, JG? Uh, I I have you, David. We, we we just lost Andy a little bit, so why don't yeah. you take over well, there a little bit? One thing you mentioned is, you know, the front-wheel drive tire versus rear-wheel drive tire and some of the logic that people have had. And in my opinion, I think some of that is, is a little bit nonsense. I, I think it's, you know, sort of the lemming effect that the top guy drives a certain tire and everybody else sort of follows. And, you know, nationals this past year in autocross, I, I really think a lot of the top cars would have been better off if they had been on Toyos, even though that was despite the conventional logic. You know, for the last couple of years, I know in STS, everyone had it in their heads in that class that you just couldn't run the Toyos. They didn't work on a, 
you know, on a heavy car or in the heat. And, you know, I know my own personal testing says that that's, that's crazy. They, they work fine on those kind of cars. So, you know, I think there, there may be some truth to that, but I think some of it is just, I don't know, just lemming logic. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 that makes perfect sense. So, so, do you, do you think we're now locked in? The, 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 there's still some variables out there, and, and I think the Kumo uh, has yet really to be introduced. From from yeah, what... they're saying it's they're saying it's different than the one that's out overseas. But from the tests that are overseas, it is losing to the Hankook. So that we've seen multiple tests now. How much the American version is different is going to be up for debate. Uh, I can tell you that the old Kumo. I, we always thought, you know, Andy and I, that that was a tire. It really loved heat. So once you got it to like 300 degrees, it was just as fast as the Hankook and as close to fast as the rival. So, you know, it might be a awesome enduro tire and not as good of a autocross tire. That's going to be my guess if it's like the old one. Another question we get frequently is, is about uh, matching tire and wheel sizes. Now, obviously the, the, the sizes you guys tested um, on this particular car, we're, we're pretty well optimized to the wheel size, but you have guys in, in stock classes that, um, you know, are limited or sorry, street classes now, uh, who are limited to wheel width and even, even in, in, uh, street touring that are, that are limited to, to wheel width, but have less of a limitation on, on tire width sometimes. So we get questions a lot about, uh, you know, squeezing, overly wide tires onto narrow wheels or squeeze, you know, stretching narrower tires onto, on, onto wider wheels. Where do you, where do you draw the line between absolute amount of, of rubber on the ground and absolute amount of sort of useful rubber on the, on the ground in, in these situations? So well, we did, uh, we, go ahead. As I said, so we did a, we did a, a test, um, Shortly after the one we did two years ago, where we, uh, when we did the track test portion, we actually tried um, the rival on a couple of different rim sizes, and we also tried a couple of different tire sizes on the same rim to try to answer that question on that tire. And again, it's a very tire-specific sort of thing. The rule of thumb that we have been sort of seeing is uh, somewhere around the diminishing returns on you know adding wheel size to get additional performance seems to be about the point where the wheel width equals the tread width. Um, and some, you know, some tires will, uh, will get there sooner and, and are okay with being the term used pinched, you know, on a narrower rim due to rules or whatever. Um, and then other tires don't like that. So it's a very tire specific thing. And in fact, we do plan on mucking around with that a little bit and trying a couple of additional tests later on this year with those tires that we currently have. Um, but it's especially bad this year because each of these two tires comes out in limited sizes. So, um, for example, the Corvette guys right now are, are, are kind of scratching their heads because the Rival S comes in, the, in a big, wide tire they want on the back of the car, um, but the, uh, the Bridgestone comes in the size they want on the front of the car. So there's even people talking about mixing and matching, which may work or it may not. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah, one more thing I would add in on the tire width question is that there, it's a very incredibly common misconception that a wider tire puts more rubber on the road. It doesn't. If you have two different size tires and they're at the same pressure, they will put the exact same amount of rubber molecules on the road. 
So a 195 and a 275. And I know a lot of people are hearing that and going like, it can't be true. I thought the same thing. So I tested it myself in my own garage with a 195 and a 275. And it is true. Now, the 275, the shape of the contact patch is different. And it's different in a better way, which makes it have more grip. But you can't just look at a bigger tire and go like, oh, it's going to have that much more rubber on the ground, which is, I think, the philosophy that a lot of people are going into this with, that, you know, a twice as wide tire is going to have twice as much rubber on the ground. It's, it's simply yeah. a function of weight versus pressure. Following on to what David's comment is about uh, the shape being different, um, that was the thing we found when we did that test um, on the, the two size rivals and the various rim widths. We found that a 205 on an 8-inch wide rim delivered exactly the same lap time as a 225 on an 8-inch rim. Um, and it wasn't until that 225 got onto a 9-inch rim um, that it suddenly started to go faster. But when you looked at the data logger for those laps, they each did something a little better or worse than the other one. Um, and so the wider tire was actually better at carrying mid-corner speed but it was not as transitionally responsive due to the, the shape of that contact patch. So those are the things which, uh, again, depending on how your car is set up, um, one tire or the other one, you know, one size or the other one may in fact be better for your circumstance or different sizes front and rear. So, so let's talk about that, that setup difference a little bit. If, um, if you're switching brands this year, or even if you're switching tires this year, it sounds like there's enough difference, even coming from last year's compound, where you're, you're going to have to at least take take a look at setup. So, so where do you begin to to look at specific setup for a tire? You know, on on your especially since, since we all have sort of limited testing time in this sport, what what are a couple things you can go out on a on a weekend? Um, test day when you may have a few extra runs and do to make sure you're optimized for a, a particular tire? Yeah, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is the Bridgestone, you know, as we've said, it puts down power amazingly well. So, you know, if your car had trouble putting down power before, you know, this tire is really good at that one thing. So, uh, you know, cars, especially without a limited flip differential that have a lot of power, really benefit from it. And, you know, in my mind, I think you can get away with a looser setup. You know, assuming you have a rear-wheel drive car, you may be able to have a looser setup with that tire, and it's still going to hook up and put the power down. That would be that would be the first thing that comes to my mind. What do you think, Andy? Um, yeah, I think, in fact, I think on both tires, you know, my experience has always been as you add grip, you can uh, typically go to a looser setup um, to take advantage of that grip. Usually it's the rear of the car that kind of... Uh, uh, has the you know has the the the, the compound issue, um, and so uh, yeah, I I think uh, just going looser in general is where people are going to want to do. Uh, then the second part is going to be tying together the responsiveness of the front end with uh, which tire choice you use and what you were set up for before. So for example, if you were set up for the responsiveness of the Z2 before and you decide you want to be running Mivalescence, you're probably going to be needing to do things like, you know, perhaps more front toe out um, or some shock changes up front to get the tire to steer into a turn uh, a little quicker to match your expectations there. Either that or changing your driving style knowing it's going to use slightly bigger slip angles and you're going to need to put a little bit more steering wheel into the thing in order to get it to do stuff um, down through transitions, slaloms, and that sort of thing. 
All right, so we, we we have to we have to start wrapping things up here a little bit, but give us give us a quick preview of of part two of the test, which is going to be a little more road course based. What are you guys doing doing differently for that, and what do you what do you hope to prove um, with 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 that phase of the test? So the road course test is done and in the bag, um, and it was done um, in a time trial format, um, and. Uh, the way we do those, and again, testing on a road course is a whole lot different than testing on an autocross situation where you can just go 10 tenths like crazy and all. Uh, on the road course, uh, you know, it's, it's always a challenge to be running on um, un, you know, unknown tires. Um, and, uh, uh, but, you know, so we tend to use a course that we're, that we're familiar with, in this case, at Terrasville Raceway, which is my uh, home track, so I've, I've got many, many laps on there, and I use the uh, the one lap CRX, which I have many, many laps in on a variety of tracks. So we take out those variables, and that adds as much safety as possible uh, to the circumstance. And the way those tests are done is they're done in a time trial format: um, a warm up lap, three hot laps, four time, and then a cool down lap, and then we uh, swap tires and then do it again. And as always, bracketing the test on either end. A lot of the analysis there comes from a data logger. Um, so that's what's really neat about that is since things happen slower on the track, you've got more granularity in the data where you can look at not just the overall lap times, but how that lap time was developed um, across, across the course of the lap. You know, is it, is it something where, you know, better power off the turn or is it better braking or something's better in the center of a turn? We can figure out where all that time differential is. Um, and then uh, uh, the other thing that we get out of that is lap-to-lap-to-lap consistency. You know, as was mentioned earlier, you know, there's some, some question marks out there still on these tires. Um, you know, they're great for autocross, and, you know, and, but will they be able to survive three hot laps in a row? And then, in fact, later on, are they able to survive even more laps in a row? Um, and... You know, the suspicion is that uh, they won't survive more than a couple of hot laps in a row and deliver their best performance. Um, so we actually did see some indications as to those trends, um, you know, out of the test. So uh, uh, that test is done and in the bag and, um, and being right up, written up actually now um, for the uh, next issue, which is under construction. Um, so we saw some we saw some very interesting things that, that came out of that. So, uh, hopefully, folks will uh, will enjoy that one. And then we actually got some data that, that David has developed anecdotally that we're going to be adding to that too as well. Uh, that he was just chatting with me about the other night, and so I'm, I'm really excited yeah, about yeah. that in there too. Yeah. So the the second part of that, which is you know, it's probably just going to be a small sidebar, is uh, we did some track testing on one of my cars, which is a a very heavy newer Civic. I mean, it's close to three thousand pounds. Um, you know, it, it's got quite a bit of low end grunt, no limited slip. Uh, it's not perfectly what people have been asking for in a heavier car, but it definitely is substantially heavier than what we normally use. And the results on it were quite a bit different. You know, it, it definitely showed some of the aspects of one of the top tires, you know, really came out, you know, and shined on that car. So it's uh, that definitely, I think, will be what people are looking at. So um, one last thing I would point out, just sort of, you know, wrapping this up a little bit is that, you know, a lot of years in autocross, you know, it comes down to building the fastest car or being the best driver. You know, this year you really do have the third aspect of the person that's going to win is going to be the one that figures out how to get the most out of these new tires. 
you know, there's a lot of people that really don't want to mess with testing and tuning. And I totally understand that. It's not something that everyone enjoys, but you know, if you want to win this year, you really do need to figure out, you know, which one of those tires matches best for you, even if it isn't the fastest and how to get the most out of that tire. Yeah. And, and it sounds to me, and I was, I was actually going to, going to kind of finish things off with, with a similar question though, but it, it sounds to me like there are choices out there where given you know, similar levels of preparation and, and whichever tire choice you make, the best driver and the best prepared driver is still going to win and he or she might be able to win on a variety of these tires. There's, there's not one sort of clear path to, to, to a trophy this year. It sounds like we have, you know, at least two or three and maybe even more that, that are going to be competitive, but it's going to take sort of adapting to those, um, uh, tires specific tires like there is there isn't sort of sort of one clear clear winner here absolutely the, the other thing though too on that is that a lot of people i've seen are putting these tires on and they're uh, immediately going away with the impression oh man my car is so much faster well I, and they they come away with two conclusions that in my opinion are wrong a i don't need to try the other one and b well i don't need to do anything to my car because it's so much faster than it was before i mean these tires are a quantum leap from the old ones, and just because you put one of them on your car and it goes faster and maybe you win packs at your local event, because you were the only one on it, that doesn't mean that you can stop working. Yeah, and, so, and because chances are there's a guy somewhere who is putting in the test time to make sure he's not only faster, but as fast as he can be on those tires. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, you know, the one key item in there, though, that is different is the sizing availability. And I said it earlier, and I'm going to keep saying it, because um, and something we saw on the track test uh, really brought that out. Sizing really matters, um, and particularly in the, uh, the ST classes where you can use you know, good size rim widths and things like that. Uh, matching up the size availability um, is really going to be a key part of that decision for some people. Took me 18 years to convince my wife that size was irrelevant. You just blew that away for me, Andy. Thanks very much. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else to, uh, to to wrap things up with before we say, say goodbye here? We, well, first off, we we appreciate you know your your hard work immensely. The, these uh, you guys go above and beyond on on doing these tire tests, and, and we're so glad you have access to you know not only a facility like. Uh, mineral wells but you know the the kind of technology and, and knowledge that that both of you draw on in, in your past uh to, to do these things so so thanks very much from our end for uh for handling this anything you guys want to want to send us away with um not really um other than you know I, we've hit all, all the big points um and uh you know the, the big thing for me always is to suggest that people try to do as much of their own testing as they can recognizing that not everybody has that resource um, and so hopefully what we've done is we've at least narrowed down your choices um, and given you enough information that um, if, if you cannot test, that you've got enough hints uh, that, you know, that you can pick uh, the answer to match your current situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to expand on that, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, the simplest thing of all is skid pad testing. So, you know, whether you're a road racer or an autocrosser, I mean, most racetracks have a skid pad available somewhere. Uh, you know, I've done skid pad testing in the derelict warehouse at one point, you know, 
I've seen people do it in church parking lots, all sorts of places that are not normal testing venues because you're not really raising. So, uh, you know, it's the simplest thing right off the bat. It's just to get your pressures right. So uh, that would be my my top tip of the year. If you're not going to do anything else, at least do that. So Sounds good. All right, David Whitener, Andy Hollis, if uh, you're still out there, thanks for thanks for all your hard work. Thanks for stopping by today. Um, we will say goodbye to the listeners. Boys, hang on uh, for making sure we've got our files saved here. All right, there you go. There is David and Andy. There is all the secrets uh, to a grassroots motorsports tire test. I hope you enjoyed it. hope you learned something. hope you uh, are better armed to make a buying decision when it comes to to um, buying your tires this year. And actually, from talking to those guys, not not really a bad choice out there um, among among several choices. So it's a good time to be a be a street class competitor or a a, um, a street touring class competitor. All right, folks. I am JG Pastor Jack. This is the Grassroots Motorsports Podcast. Grassrootsmotorsports.com slash discount. Classicmotorsports.com slash discount. 20% off your new or renewal subscription. This has been episode 47. You are a fantastic audience. I've gotten some great comments in the past couple weeks uh, when we went to the MIDI a couple weeks ago. Talked to some very nice folks there. And um, I am trying, trying very hard to put piece together uh, an interview that I did with Grand Marshal Boris said and uh, we tried to record it and something got messed I mean somebody literally thought the my audio recorder was just sitting out and grabbed it and, and moved it and uh, we're trying to piece the audio from this this fantastic uh, live interview we did with him um, together and, and get it out in podcast form so hopefully that happens because it was it was very very cool if not maybe I'll just tell you all the stuff he said and maybe I'll make up more stuff that he said because honestly I can't make up stuff nearly as good as he actually said um, anyway this has been the Grassroots Motorsports Podcast you guys are a great audience I will see you in a couple weeks um, we got some cool stuff coming up from Miller Welding if you are a a, uh, a welder or have been thinking about getting into welding as a, as a hobby or in your shop, you'll definitely want to listen to the next next episode because there is some amazing... I, I Literally, as I was doing this interview, I was like staring at my welder through the window of my shop, like not being able to wait to get out there and weld stuff together. It was very cool. So that's coming up in just a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll see you soon.